You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Now here's Doug Rock. Man, dude, so during that intro video, I just wanted to bang my head for a minute. Anybody besides me, dude? So in case you're new here, we've been in this series uh, called Tribe City in which we've been seeking to make sure that we live in community with each other, with a tribe of people. And um, in case you didn't get last week's kind of introduce the series, you can go back on uh, iTunes and get our podcast, or you can go on SoundCloud and get our podcasts and get caught up. But one of the things that we learned last week is that our tribes are kind of like rhinos, right? I mean, we learned a little bit about rhinos last week, and those rhinos can gather in groups of up to like 14 animals, and they can run together, right? And now, here's kind of the, one of the weird things that we learned last week, and it was kind of fun for me to teach, and it was kind of fun for you to hear, I think. But rhinos like... They learn a lot about each other from smelling each other's poop. I mean, uh, they uh, gather like a social network around the midden or the poop pile. And so basically what that means is, is that the general health of the overall rhino population is dependent upon rhinos knowing each other's crap, okay? And that is exactly like church, isn't it? In that really our spiritual and emotional health is dependent upon you and I being in smaller groups of trusted people that know our crap and help us get through it, right? Because we all know we're going to go through bad times at some time in our lives. Now, here's another thing that we learned about rhinos is that a group of rhinos together, you know, the animal kingdom, that you know, like flock of birds, right? Well, a group of rhinos or a tribe of rhinos is called a crash. And the reason that they're called a crash is because rhinos can run 30 miles an hour, which is pretty fast, isn't it? Um, but here's the problem with that is that they can only see 30 feet in front of themselves. So they have no idea when they're running full speed ahead. They have no idea what's at 31 feet, but what's there better get out of the way because a crash is about to happen, right? And that is like you and I, when we run with those trusted friends, the people that walk in God's spirit that help us through our crap in life, when we move together in unity, we're like a crash we're unstoppable, see? You are where you are in your life right now because of the relationships that you've been engaged in, whether it's good or bad. Some of those relationships were bad, some of them were good. But if you run with people um, who can be trusted to walk with God, then you can be unstoppable. Some of you are very strong people, and you can do fine on your own a lot of times, but you can be unstoppable if you uh, run with others. The Bible teaches us that a cord of three strands is not easily broken, and we all need other people and relationships in our lives. Now, the question that we're going to explore today is, who gets to run in the rhino crashes in our church? Who gets to run in our tribes with us? Um, and that's a very important question to understanding city church and our culture here. Because particularly if you're new, if you're coming from another church, this message today is going to be very, very important for you to understand what we're about here and why our church is different from other churches, see? So sometimes we all struggle, and I struggle, with seeing certain people as what I'll call those people. Okay, so let me, let me tell you what I mean by this. Okay, the other day, I got to make a confession. I was looking at this website that wasn't good. It was peopleofwalmart.com, okay? <laughs> Have you ever seen this website, peopleofwalmart.com? Okay, and I got this great idea for a haircut for my 16-year-old son, okay? Uh, it says, so you get, a, you get a bowl cut and a mullet all at the same time, and it's called a bullet, right? 
So that's stylish. I know all the teenagers are leaving here to get this cut uh, today. But when I'm looking at this site and I'm looking at the bullet and all this kind of stuff, I'm thinking, man, those are those people, okay? This is those people. Um, but who are the people that you think are those people? Who comes to your mind? So for some of you, maybe those people are like those Democrat people, or maybe it's those Republican people, or for others of you, it's those immigrant people, or for others of you, it's like those make America great again people, right? Or for some of you, it's those Muslim people, or those refugee people, or for, for some of you, it's like, oh, they're a north side person, and then for others, it's like, they're from the east side, a little gangsta over there, right? Yes, you know, so, so that's what some would say. And then some of you are like, well, I'm from the west side, right? And then others are like, south side. Yeah. The south side. Where my south side at? Yeah. Some of you are like, oh, well, they're those Alma Heights people or the the hipster people or the choyo people, right? <laughs> Who are those people to you? You know, uh, throughout my years of being here at City Church, I've met a number of people who have been ex-cons or, you know, been incarcerated. Would you consider them to be those people? I've met a number of ladies who attend our church now and have in the past who have been dancers. And when I say dancers, I'm not talking about square dancers, man. <laughs> but would you consider those ladies to be those people? Well, I want you to keep those people in mind as we look at Jesus organize a large group of people into tribes. And he was teaching a group of people in the Holy Land. And as he was teaching them, it was like an all-day teaching session, and the people were getting hungry, and the disciples recognized this, and they said, hey, Jesus, we probably ought to dismiss the people today so that they can go to the nearby towns and get something to eat. And Jesus said, no, you're going to feed them. And they're like, wait a minute, how are we going to feed them? Because we'd, we, we'd have to work for a year to make enough money to feed this large crowd of people. And Jesus says, what do you got? And they were able to scrounge up five loaves of bread, and two fish tacos. They bring it to Jesus. He does something amazing, and I want to show you what he does in Mark chapter 6. Look at verse 39 through 44. Then Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups or tribes on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of 50 or 100. Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish, looked up toward heaven and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so that they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. They all ate as much as they wanted, and afterwards the disciples picked up, what's that next number? Twelve baskets of leftover bread and fish. A total of 5,000 men and their families were fed from those loaves because tribes eat, Right? We eat together. Jesus is showing us this lesson that we should eat to foster community in the midst of our um, uh, gatherings and um, relationships. So over 5,000 men and their families get an all-you-can-eat buffet from just a little bit here. Well, what happens next? Well, Jesus continues to teach his young Jewish disciples, and they uh, leave that crowd. They get into a boat and they travel across a lake to the other side of the lake, and when they get there, another crowd gathers. That always happens to Jesus. This time, it was a little bit smaller crowd, about 
4,000 men and their families. The same thing happened. Everyone gets hungry. Same thing happens again. Jesus says, gather what you can and let's uh, pray for it and bless it. And the same miracle happens. Everybody gets to eat. Look at Mark chapter 8, verse 8. They ate as much as they wanted. Afterwards, the disciples picked up, what's that number? Seven large baskets of leftover food. So Jesus does it again. Now look, these rabbis at this time would repeat things that were important, that they wanted their followers to remember. And so why does the rabbi repeat a very similar miracle here? The first time there were 12 baskets of bread left over. The second time there were seven. Why does Jesus repeat this and what does he want them to know? Well, they continue their conversation here in Mark chapter 8, verse 18. And uh, Jesus had been talking to him about, don't let the leaven of the Pharisees get into your life. And he says, you have eyes, can't you see? You have ears, can't you hear? Don't you remember anything at all? When I fed the 5,000 with five loaves of bread, how many baskets of leftovers did you pick up afterwards? Say it with me. Twelve, they said. And when I fed the 4,000 with seven loaves, how many large baskets of leftovers did you pick up? Say it with me. Seven, they said. Don't you understand yet, he asked them. So what is it that Jesus wants them to understand? Well, I'm about to show you. I didn't know, and I had to learn this from a biblical backgrounds teacher named Ray Vanderlaan. And so I'm going to have you do a little exercise with me to help explain what this text means. And the way we're going to do this, I'm going to divide up the room in three sections, okay? There's going to be the middle section. There's going to be a section on the side, uh, on this side and that side. Those of you in the back room have to participate as well, okay? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to divide uh, this half of the room in half, and all of you who are on the against the wall half, would you guys just raise your hands here in the front room and the back room? Would you get those hands up too if you're on that side? Because, you know, I don't want to have to send these people from the south side on you, all right? Okay, <laughs> then... Um, then, then, then this half of the room, I want you to divide in half again in, in a quarter. All of you raise your hand if you're on this side against this wall. Good, that's group number two. And then those of you who are in the middle, could you raise, raise your hands real quick? Okay, the middle all the way to the back. Good, that's the middle. Now, now let me explain middle who you guys are going to be. You guys are going to be uh, represent the Sea of Galilee, which is actually a freshwater lake in Israel. And this was where Jesus and his disciples were. It's 13 miles long eight miles wide. And so to illustrate the fact that you guys are the lake or the sea of Galilee, I'm going to have you guys do the wave, okay? And I'm going to have you do it um, from the right over to the left, okay? You ready? Here we go. Ready? Let's try it. Here we go. Do the wave. Woo! One more time, please, please. Don't make me cuss at you today, okay? Here we go. Let's start this side over here, and we'll go back. Ready? Here we go. Thank you. I feel cleansed, okay? See you, Galilee, right here in the middle. Now, those of you who are over here to my left-hand side, um, you guys are the good religious people. You're the good religious Jews that lived on the west side of the lake. So would you just pat someone on the back next to you who's next to you there? Don't be the creepy guy that pats too long, all right? Just back in the back, patting them on the back. Okay, good. And those of you who are over here on my right-hand side of the room over here, um, you guys on the east side, 
Yeah. <laughs> They're like East Side OGs, right? So the East Side OGs over here, you guys are like the dope smoking party animal pagans. And so here's what I want you to do to each other. Look at someone next to you, those of you on the east side, and I want you to go, ear. <laughs> someone over on the east side is like, hey, dude, I did that before I came to church today. Man. That's why this tribe eats. Everybody has the munchies, bro. Okay, let me explain what's going on here. Okay, on the west side of the Sea of Galilee is where all the religious Jewish people lived in this region, see? And they were called the land of the 12. And the reason they were called the land of the 12 is because 12 is a significant number to Jewish people because there are 12 tribes of Israel. So those of you who are on the good religious side, west side, you're the land of the 12. And those of you who are on the east side of the Sea of Galilee, you're the land of the seven. Now, some of you are thinking, hey, man, in the Bible, I thought seven was a really great number because, you know, it's a number of completion. There are seven days of the week. If you read Revelation, you would see that seven is like the number of God. But some of us also know seven is also a great number to have in Vegas, you know? Well, the reason that the land of the seven um, is called the land of the seven is because their morals or their lack of morals were comparable to seven pagan people groups that God wanted to run out of the promised land in the Old Testament book of Joshua chapter 3. So if you were to go back there and you were going to read that, you would see that God asked Joshua to kick these people out of the promised land, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Vegemites, you know, I make all these ites, right? Um, so what is Jesus saying by this lesson? The first time when he was on the west side of the lake, he had 12 baskets of bread left over in the land of the 12. And then the second time he does the miracle where he multiplies the bread, he does it on the east side of the lake in the land of the seven. And then he says, I'm the bread of life. Jesus is saying to you and I, I'm the bread of life for both the land of the 12 and the land of the seven. I'm even the bread of life for those people it's what Jesus is trying to say. And this is a, an offensive message for Jesus' young disciples who were very religious Jewish young men. And this same Jesus would say in one passage in the New Testament, it's the sick who need a doctor. It's not the people that already think they're well. And then it's the same Jesus who extends grace to a woman who was caught in adultery and thrown down in front of him. And he says, all of you who have not sinned, you can go ahead and throw the first stone. Everybody walks away. Jesus says, hey, ma'am, uh, who's here to condemn you? Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Jesus is not saying that every behavior is okay, but he's saying there's grace for everyone. And it's the same Jesus that extends grace to a tax cheat named Zacchaeus. It's the same Jesus that extends grace um, to a woman at a well one day when he acknowledges, yeah, the guy you're with right now 
is not your husband. And the five dudes you were with before who were also not your husband, uh, you need to think about that. However, I want to give you some grace, and I want you to know that I want to give you some water for your soul where you'll never thirst again. You won't thirst through all these dysfunctional kinds of relationships, right? And look, some of you have come here today, and you think that you've fallen too far. You think you've wandered away from him too far. But what God wants you to know is that the train of his grace has come to the depot and he's here for you and that he loves you and cares about you. He's here for you. What you've ever done, see? His grace is here for you. You've not fallen too far because such were some of us, you know? And some of you really thought that. In fact, you thought it so much that you weren't even wanting to come into the room today because you, felt, you feel so guilty about some of the things that you've done in your past. You know, and this point was punctuated for me about those people. When I visited Israel, I was teaching some college students there, and Jeannie and I went, and we got to go see the Sea of Galilee, the lake. We went across it in the boat. We got to go to the land of the seven. We went to the land of the 12. Then in Jerusalem, while we were there, um, I went to pray. I wanted to pray at the Western Wall because I love to pray. I went to that wall that's such a historic site, and you can see uh, where there would have been mortar there. People have, like, rolled up their little prayers and stuffed them in that wall, and it was just a significant spiritual experience. And when I got done with my praying, I was walking away trying to get back to our group. And as I did, there was an Orthodox Jewish man in front of me that I needed to get around to get to my group. And I was just going to kind of tap him on the shoulder to have him move to, to the side so that I could get to my group. And just about the time I'm about to tap him, he backs up and he says, no, 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 no. He's like cussing me out in Hebrew. And it dawned on me, if I, a Gentile, would have touched him, a Jew, he would have been considered ceremonially unclean. And I thought, my first thought was an ornery one. I'll confess. I thought, oh, you want to be unclean, Jack? I'll give you a wet willy right now. We'll just get you real unclean right now. But I didn't want to cause an international incident, you know? But what dawned on me there is, did you know that to someone in the world, we're all one of those people, aren't we? And the truth of God is, is that Jesus, the Bible says, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Have we not? And that's why here, you've got to understand that if you're going to be a part of this. Because we don't think we have it all together. We, what we acknowledge is, whether you're from the land of the seven or the land of the twelve, we're all those people, aren't we? So, we welcome people from both land of the twelve and the land of the seven. Now, if you go to one of those churches where it's mostly land of the 12 people, people in those churches will ask the pastor questions like this. Hey, uh, pastor, are you a pre-tribulation raptured dispensationalist and do you believe in predestination? Okay, at our church is like land of the seven. The questions go more like this. Hey, can you tell me how to get healing from the abuse I experienced as a child? Or uh, something like, uh, Pastor, tell me this, what does the Bible say about the legalization of marijuana? Or, Pastor, who, what words are curse words, and who gets to decide that, and if I disagree with them, can I cuss them out? You know, this is, 
<clears throat> this is your questions, right? So as I was thinking about this, I couldn't help but remember this tribe I was a part of here in our church a few years ago. It was a group that was meeting over in one of the rooms at the Cameo, and it was called Community Catalysts. And uh, one of the members of that tribe was a young woman named Christine. And Christine worked at Sugars, okay? Now, if you don't know what Sugars is, it's not a place where they sell sweeteners, okay? <laughs> That's not Sugars. And anyways, um, she explained where she worked, and you know the first inclination at a lot of churches would have been, well, Christine, you need to clean up your act before you're going to be around one of the groups here, but that was not the inclination of our group. Um, our groups uh, loved Christine and wanted her to know, and all the women that she works with, how much that they're loved here. And so the group pitched in and bought flowers for all the girls at Sugars. And then uh, one of our group members was a graphic designer, and she created these cards customized just for the ladies at Sugars, and it said, we love you, you matter to God, City Church downtown. And when Christine went back to work, she took all those flowers with the cards for each girl, and she took it to each one and let them know that they're all loved. And when she came back to the group meeting that next week, um, she was just so excited to tell all of us how much the ladies there appreciated that because they had not heard that anyone loves them from a church in a whole long time. Well, as we continued to get to know Christine and she started growing in the Lord, she became increasingly uncomfortable with the environment that she was working in. And she wanted to get another job, but she had to feed her little son, you know, and she had to feed herself. Well, we could have just said, well, just bail out. Well, that's easy for us to say, right? So we prayed, right? We always prayed together, and we kept praying. And she was able to get a job at a really nice restaurant. And it wasn't going to be the same money she was making at Sugars, but uh, she uh, was making enough to make ends meet. And she had this dream we found out. We didn't know this when we first met Christine, but she had this dream of being a teacher. And as she worked this other job to make ends meet, she made enough to make it through school. And now today, Christine is a teacher. So thank God for, for that. But I thought, so I thought, what would happen if we would have told her, you need to clean up your act before you can be in one of our tribes in this church? We all know what would have happened. What would have happened? That's why we're all here, right? Like I joke with you, God's got a lot of jacked up kids in city churches where we all found each other, right? <laughs> Same thing that happened to us. You know, and I was thinking back to some years ago. I met this young man that had been in some trouble. Um, and I took a liking to him for some reason. And he would have been one of those people to a lot of people. Um, but we engaged in some conversation, and he's been a dear friend for many, many years, and he was gracious enough to come and lead some music for us today. So I asked Jesse Dominguez if he would share with us um, a little bit of what went on in his life. <coughs> well, thank you, Doug. <laughs> so uh, about 15 years ago, uh, which I was... It's kind of a coincidence that I got invited to, to lead worship today because we're talking about strippers and ex-cons. Oh. And uh, I just, uh, well, 15 years ago, I, I did a little time as a stripper. Yeah. Yeah. 
uh, at a place called Soft Bodies. You probably went there. Uh, the soft Bodies. It's closed now. If you want to bring those $1 bills, you can just put them right here in Jesse's guitar. <laughs> guitar strap. No. <laughs> My wife's there like, ay Dios. <laughs> Except she doesn't speak Spanish. Mm. So, um, no, actually, I... I did spend some time in, in the care of Texas, the great state of Texas, in, in prison, jail and prison. I did about two years, and uh, it was there that a friend of mine would write to me every week, and he would tell me that God loved me, and that I was not alone, and he had not forgotten me. And he invited me to a church. He invited me to this church. And it was there that I met that man. And one night out of Starbucks, that man uh, led me in a prayer, and not really against my will, but close, led me in a prayer uh, to cross the line of faith, to put my faith in Jesus. And that was the beginning. So I've asked Doug if he would be kind enough to lead us in that prayer. And even, even if you've been a believer for many, many years, you know, maybe we could all say it out loud. Go ahead, Doug. So let's bow together. And if you have the sense that some loving presence is drawing you to himself, that would be God by his Holy Spirit. And what he wants you to know for sure that if you will just simply believe that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he did so, to pay the penalty for your sin. It wasn't free, a price had to be paid. And it was his broken body and his blood that was shed on the cross. And so if you'd like to begin a relationship with him today, you can just talk to him in your own words or you can just pray the words that I'm about to give us. And so why don't we all, as Jesse suggested, why don't we all pray these words out loud together to make it helpful for those that are going to pray this for the first time, okay? So let's just say this. Lord, I know I've sinned. I've totally screwed up. I've totally screwed up. But the best I know how. The best I know how. I choose to believe. I choose to believe. That Jesus died on the cross. Jesus died on the cross. To pay for my sin. To pay for my sin. God, I welcome you into my life. Father, I thank you for those who just began a relationship with you through that prayer by talking to you. And God, for the rest of us who have known you for many years, we just want to say to you, we do not take your sacrifice for granted. We know that there's no way someone like us could, uh, people like us could be good enough to earn a love relationship with you. And we don't want to forget where we've come from and the condition we were in when you graciously drew us into your presence. Thank you for your kindness to us. And we pray all these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Everyone said, amen. Now we're gonna take communion together today and uh, we don't jet right after communion like at some churches. We'll have just a little bit more service left, but here's how it works at City Church downtown is that uh, if you're in this front room, 
Um, there'll be a communion station in front of your seating section. So if you're in this seating section to uh, your right there, you'll get up starting with the first row against the wall. You'll come by. Uh, you'll take the bread that represents Jesus' body and dip it into the juice, which represents his blood. And then you'll take it and thank God for it. And then you'll come back around and uh, land in your seat. And same thing with this side, start against the wall, come over. Now, if you're in the back room, we're gonna divide the room in half. The front section and the very back section, there'll be someone to direct you back there. If you're in the front section, you're gonna go to the, the, the left-hand side communion station. If you're in the back section of the back room, you'll go to the communion station on the right-hand side front of the room. So let's stand together and come and take up the bread, the bread of life for our souls. God, we just say you're just over the top good to us, and we can't say enough how grateful we are that you don't bail out on us when we screw up and all of that. Thank you for your grace and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you guys go ahead and take a seat? Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.